Welcome to Live Truth Podcast, a podcast geared towards helping women to know Jesus, love Jesus, and live truth boldly, which should in turn cause us to glorify God with our lives, think biblically, and be compelled to make disciples. Welcome back to episode seven. I'm your host, Katrika. Thank you all so much for tuning in again. And thank you for those um, who are tuning in for the first time. Welcome. Uh, Today, you'll hear a conversation with dear brother Matt Brock and I on how um, we can respond to pro-choice assertions. We'll also discuss the hypocrisy of the Black Lives Matter movement and those that say Black Lives Matter until it involves a Black life in the womb. And I mentioned a book at the end of the episode, and I couldn't think of the name of it, but the name is A Gospel Primer for Christians, Learning to See the Glories of God's Love by Milton Vincent. And so this is a great book that the Lord has used and continues to use to add value to my life as it um, continues to remind me of God. God's wonderful grace and how the gospel should impact every part of our lives. And speaking of the gospel, the reason I have um, the guests share testimonies and um, share the gospel is that after hearing any of the testimonies on these episodes, you find that you may not have assurance of your salvation, have any questions about salvation, or maybe you have made the wonderful decision to repent and believe the gospel. Please feel free to contact me Um, or any of the guests. And so lastly, if you are on Apple Podcasts and blessed by it, please share the episode with your friends, family, and rate it five stars. This does help with the algorithm and makes Live Truth a more noticeable platform. We are also on YouTube, so please go like, share, subscribe, and hit the bell notification to be notified when an episode drops. And the goal of all of this is to flood the nations with the truth of the gospel and for God to be glorified. And it's something that I can't do alone. So I really need y'all's help in getting the word out there, um, and I greatly appreciate your help and your support. So without further ado, here is the conversation between um, Brother Matt and I. All right. Thank you so much for um, agreeing to come on with me, Matt. Glad to have you. Absolutely, sister. Appreciate you having me on. (laughs) All right. If you will, for us, tell us a little bit about yourself, um, the ministries you're involved in, and how you came to know the Lord. Yeah, so my name is Matt Brock, and uh, I am a uh, homegrown boy from right here in the upstate of South Carolina, and uh, went to school here, born and raised, and uh, went to uh, Chapman High School, so uh, Inman, Spartanburg area is kind of where where I've kind of planted my roots uh, growing up, but yeah, in around 2006, I joined the Marine Corps, mm-hmm. and uh, went out and uh, saw the world, if you will, and uh, kind of got, ex- I grew up in church, and so I probably mm-hmm. need to put that in there to provide a little more context, but uh, did the churchy stuff and uh, thought I was a Christian. And uh, when I joined the Marines, uh, quickly found out that that was not the case. And um, yeah, I got exposed to a lot of stuff really, really quick and uh, went to Afghanistan twice. And wow. I was really good at what I did, loved what I did. Um, but certainly the uh, the, the spiritual uh, rock that I thought was in place was, was certainly made of sand and not mm-hmm. stone. And so, uh, yeah, I uh, met my wife in the middle of all that. And uh, by God's grace and God's providence, um, her father actually was the associate pastor of a uh, of a church. And uh, he shared the gospel with me. And um, I was a good guy. I don't I don't want to sound like I was this you know heathen out there in a sense I was. But um, I was still respectful and, and things like that. And I think God, even in my sin, I think in some supernatural providential way, he allowed them to see that. Mm-hmm. And uh, because looking back now, I don't know how in the world he could have approved of me marrying his daughter, but right. God, God worked all of that out. Amen. And uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, he shared the gospel with me. And uh, for the first time in my life, it, it actually I heard it. You know, it wasn't mm-hmm. something that uh, it just hit differently. Mm-hmm. And uh, at that point, I realized, man, you know, I, I can't be a good person. I can't make mm-hmm. myself be a good husband to my wife. I can't be a good father on my own. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, you throw the Marine Corps in there and it makes it even harder because it's all about you can, you can, you can, mm-hmm. there's nothing you can't do. Right. And so, uh, I kind of had a double whammy going on there, but yeah, the gospel broke through and, um, and, uh, I, I came face to face with my depravity mm-hmm. and, uh, because of that and that new lens, I was actually able to see the beauty and the glory of the gospel and who Christ really is. Amen. And uh, so I count that as my salvation story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then from there, uh, the first person he turned me on to was John MacArthur. I got a MacArthur study Bible. And, uh, you know, from there, obviously, mm-hmm. you're going to you're going to listen to MacArthur. You're going to get good, right, solid exactly. doctrine. 
Mm-hmm. And then from there, I come across guys like Paul Washer, uh, Bodie Bauckham. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you, you you know where it goes from there. And so, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah and then uh, eventually I come across a guy named Jeff Durbin and uh, Apology mm-hmm. Church. Mm-hmm. And um, interestingly enough, uh, so what I did was I actually wanted to go back again. I was 30 years old. I thought I had theology and stuff figured out, but it mm-hmm. turned out I was wrong about everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I went back and I wanted to know, okay, what does the Bible say about salvation and soteriology and baptism and all these things? And I did that with creation. I did that with uh, soteriology. And then eventually I got down to eschatology. And so I started studying out eschatology. And that was how I came across uh, Jeff Durbin and eventually found my way into postmillennialism and all that kind of good stuff. But you're not going to listen to Jeff Durbin or anything from apology alone before you're introduced into the fight for abortion right. and our unborn neighbors. And so uh, that was really how God uh, opened the door for uh, that. And then uh, started going to my uh, local abortion clinic, which is right down the road in Greenville. And uh, man, the first time I went out there, the Lord just really, um, really impressed on my heart that 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 was kind of a place that needed more of the church's attention. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was about a year and a half ago. And uh, I was only going out there on Saturdays for a little while. And then about probably 11 months ago, coming up on a year now, mm-hmm. uh, I, I realized that the that abortion clinic is not just open on Saturdays. It's open six days a week. Mm-hmm. And Monday through Friday, there was no one out there preaching the gospel uh, over over the fence. There were some ladies wow. that would try to stop cars from going in, and they did a lot of good things. But um, you know, our our weapon is the gospel, and nobody exactly. was out there heralding that. And so, uh, I had a furniture store at the time, and the Lord just impressed on us to shut that down and trust Him, and um, went started going out there five days a week. And uh, that was almost a year ago. And we've uh, just a couple of weeks ago, we saw our 60th baby uh, be saved. And so we celebrate that. So, yeah, God Mm -hmm. has been very kind to us to let us see fruit. He doesn't have to do that. Exactly. uh, But he's allowed us to see 60 babies come uh, come into the world. And uh, more than that, we celebrate the fact that uh, God has allowed us to come alongside these moms and dads and partner with them and make sure that they're plugged into uh, a local faithful body of believers for discipleship. So. Right. Amen. And that's, and that's how I became connected with you. I saw you um, on Facebook because I follow Jeff Durbin and I wound up seeing him share a photo of you and um, a couple that had decided to save their baby that day. Um, yeah. And I was just blown away. I'm like, that's grateful. Yes. And, <laughs> you know, it had already been on my heart, you know, um, at some point go out there. And then when I saw that, I was just so blessed and just overwhelmed with joy at the fact that God was saving these babies. And then right here in my own hometown, how he was using right. y'all um, to preach the gospel over this fence. So I just admire y'all's fire and your love um, and your sincerity um, for those that um, are choosing to save their babies and even the ones that aren't and even um, the pro aborts that go out there, you know, like you say, absolutely want to hear them, you know, and hear what they have to say and not just out there just um, preaching at them, but really have a heart to want to share the gospel with them and to love on them um, and to hear them out too. So appreciate that. Appreciate y'all's ministry. Appreciate you sharing with us. So um, tell us about, um, what the Bible says about abortion um, and why in all circumstances is murder? Yeah. And that is a great question uh, because the church is very confused uh, um, about, about that question. And I think just like me, you know, I grew up in the church and Mm -hmm. you know, I I was actually even known in high school as being that Christian guy, Mm -hmm. but my theology was that deep. Um, Mm -hmm. I knew, I knew what was coming from the pulpit and not all of it was bad. It was a lot of good stuff, but I was trusting in the man who was bringing the word and not the word itself. I wasn't going home and studying these things out. I was not, I was not a student of scripture. Um, And so, uh, and I think that that is the main problem that we have in this country today is biblical illiteracy among professing Christians. Mm -hmm. And uh, because the Bible is very clear about everything that the church is confused about. Right. And uh, the reason why is because most of the professing church are not reading their Bibles. They're taking their, they're getting their theology from the pulpit. And when the pulpit is off, which by and large it is today, mm-hmm. well, the whole system's going to be off. The whole church is going to be off. And this is how the United Methodists, by and large, have gone completely left uh, and, and, you know, letting um, 
uh, there, it's just running rampant mm-hmm. in there. Uh, right here in Greenville, uh, there was a United Methodist Church that actually had a rainbow display out for Pride Month. And so it's not just that they're tolerating it or trying to coexist with it. They're championing it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's a huge issue. But the Bible is clear on these things. Uh, one one. So, you know, we call it abortion. But, you know, the reality is it's, it's really baby murder. It's really right. child sacrifice. Right. And it goes all the way back to the days of the Old Testament. Uh, there's a story in Deuteronomy chapter 20 where uh, the children of Israel, they're still wandering around mm-hmm. and uh, they're getting ready to go into Canaan. And uh, God is giving Moses all these instructions. And he says, all right, Moses, here's the deal. And again, this is in Deuteronomy, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 20. Mm-hmm. Very powerful passage. Uh, God tells Moses, listen, I'm getting ready to send you guys into the land of Canaan. But when you go in, you're not to do as the Canaanites do. Mm-hmm. OK, mm-hmm. they sacrifice their children to, to these false gods like Malek, and he calls mm-hmm. them by name. And he says, you're not to do what they do. Um, you're not to sacrifice your children to these, to these demons. Amen. And he goes on to say the judgment that will fall on them if mm-hmm. they do. Mm-hmm. But then he goes on to say, you're not to turn a blind eye to those who sacrifice their children to demons either. Mm-hmm. And he says the same judgment that falls on those who kill their children are going to fall on those who are apathetic towards it, who mm. want to act like it doesn't really exist. Mm-hmm. And so you read passages like that, and you know, and, and it's pretty clear that the church should be involved mm-hmm. in the ending of child sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we got to call it what it is. And, and murder is a nice way of saying it. It is child sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Um, and it goes back thousands of years. So, uh, you know, it's, um, I don't want to jump too far ahead. I, I, could, I could add more to that, but I think we're going to get into it here in a little bit. Uh, on down the line. But, you know, a lot of the questions that we get today uh, revolving around that, they say, well, when does life really begin? Mm-hmm. Well, the Bible's clear about that, too, in several places. One of my favorite places to go, however, is in the book of Jeremiah. God speaks mm-hmm. to the prophet Jeremiah in uh, chapter one, verse five. And he says, before I even began to form you in your mother's womb, I knew you when I called you. Yes, and uh, uh, our legislators need to take note of that uh, mm-hmm. because they're passing bills that do not say that life begins before you begin to take form. They right. try to say that life begins at a heartbeat or when they have brain activity mm-hmm. or when they can feel pain or mm-hmm. they try to, they try to redefine when life begins. When God said, even before you start to take any form and that would, that would be before you have, you have a heartbeat. You don't even have a heart. Mm-hmm. And God says that you are an image bearer of him at the moment of fertilization, at the moment of conception, and you deserve protection and provision. And uh, to strike that image bearer in the womb at any point after that Mm. is nothing short of of murder. Right. Amen. Amen. And so um, with all that said, what do we say to those that say, well, the mother's life is um, in jeopardy? So we have to choose either the baby's life or the mother's life. Yeah. And, and, and that is a very common argument. I appreciate you bringing that up. And I do believe that most people uh, who ask that question are not asking it, trying to find a loophole to be able to continue to murder children. The pro aborts do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the genuine, true Christian believer is concerned about that mother. And here's the deal. Again, abortion is not health care. Abortion is not just a medical term. Mm-hmm. Abortion mm-hmm. is murder. Right. And uh, we got we got to remember that because murder has presuppositions. It means Mm -hmm. that, you know, with that word murder, it means that it was intentional. It means that you intended to do harm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and in the, in the case, and they, they are rare, but they do happen. Uh, and the most common instances, uh, ectopic pregnancies. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so, um, again, I'm very appreciative of you asking that because there's a lot of, there's a lot of confusion. I don't know the exact number. I should have wrote it down or looked it up, but I know it's in the extreme high 90s. And I want to say it's 98 or 99 percent of all ectopic pregnancies. The baby has already died when it's discovered that the pregnancy is ectopic. Mm-hmm. And so it's not one of those things where they discover the baby uh, th- that it's an ectopic pregnancy and they're going to have to go in and, and remove a living baby. That has happened. Um, but that is not the case 99% of the time when a mother is discovered to have an ectopic pregnancy, mm-hmm. uh, the baby's already dead most of the time when, when they find that out. Um, but yeah, we need to draw a distinctive there between trying to save life and, 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 um, you know, something else. And, mm-hmm. and an example that I use is, you know, heaven forbid this ever happens, but 
let's say you have a car and you're in a car accident and mm-hmm. you've got three children and the car's on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm able to save, uh, my wife or I'm able to save, you know, my kids in the back seat. car's on fire. I don't have time to save all of them. Who do I save? Well, at that moment, whatever decision I make, my goal should be to save as much life as possible. Right, right. But that's a horrible situation for someone to be in. Mm -hmm. And if I'm able to save my wife and one of my children and two of my other children die, does that make me, does that mean that I intentionally murdered them? Right, or, uh, right. or am I having to act on an, on a horrific circumstance mm-hmm. that, that none of it was intentional at all? Right. Um, and so when we're talking about the life of the mother, we're not talking about abortion anymore. Mm-hmm. We're talking about trying to save and, and cherish as much life as, as possible. And mm-hmm. I believe doctors, there have been cases where, um, you know, there were life-threatening deals and the baby was taking out alive mm-hmm. and, uh, they were actually able to keep the baby alive. And so, mm-hmm. uh, I believe at the end of the day, our main goal has to be uh, honor God. Okay. Mm-hmm. What would God have you do in the situation? We can't help what's, what's going to fall out from us trying to do good things. Right. Um, but I think God, God can do miraculous things when we say first and foremost, we're going to honor God by honoring his word and protecting as much life as humanly possible. Amen. That's a good answer. Thank you for that. Um, and then the next one is, um, rape and incest, you know, because I even mm-hmm. saw a pastor recently, you know, kind of going in on Twitter about, you know, abortions, I mean, about uh, Texas uh, law that they passed and how um, ungodly it was and how it right. is wrong to have an abortion, you know, when the baby is conceived through rape or um, incest. Right. Yeah. And, and so, again, uh, I can understand where uh, people's hearts are mm-hmm. um, when they ask these questions to a certain extent. Um, mm-hmm. But again, has God spoken on these things? Right. What does God say? And for the Christian. And let's set abortion to the side for just a second. For the Christian, we've just got to get this in our heads because we live in a culture where everybody wants to think that their opinion matters. Mm-hmm. And for the and Christian, it really, yeah, and absolutely. But here's the deal for the Christian. You don't really get to have an opinion anymore. Mm-hmm. Your freedom of opinion went out the door when you said that you're going to follow Jesus. That's right. What has God said? Now, that's not to say that we can't. There's certain things in the Bible that we can debate. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as long as you're able to make a biblical precedence for it. But mm-hmm. if God has spoken on it, clearly your opinions and 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 feelings really are relevant at that point. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things in the Bible that I'm just going to be honest that I'm, I'm not a big fan of. Right. Uh, right. I love to eat food. I love triple cheeseburgers that are dripping with chili. But you know what the Bible says? The Bible says if I indulge in that kind of stuff, it's gluttony and it's harmful mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. I don't like that the Bible says mm-hmm. that. <laughs> I, and I'm I wanna... glad you brought that out because a lot of people say we we preach and we talk about everything else, but we don't want to talk about gluttony. We don't want to talk about those yeah. issues, you know, but it's, yep. it's sin, you know. It um, absolutely so I'm, gl- I'm so glad you brought that out. And, and we do need to call that out, of course, lovingly, if we see our brother or sister stumbling in that area and glorifying gluttony, which some do, you know, and take it as a joke because we don't really take it seriously. But actually God talked about, gluttony more than alcoholism more than drunkenness absolutely Um, so yes i'm glad you brought that up sorry to interrupt you though (laughs) no no no. give me just a second i thought i had turned this off but apparently i did not i got a call coming in uh did i end it let's see where are you okay good deal um so uh getting back to the the uh the point um yeah you know and i'm you know i'm working on that uh matter of fact i'm going to the gym uh i was going to go today but i had to prepare for this the Lord's really convicting me about that. You know, mm-hmm. I've, uh, um, you know, that's just one of those things. But the, the, so the question becomes this, um, are you, are you at least struggling with it mm-hmm. or are you saying, I don't like it, so I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. And I, and this goes for everybody. You know, a lot of people say, well, I have homo- uh, homosexual uh, tendencies. I can't help that. I feel that way as a man towards another man. And I believe them when they say that mm-hmm. I believe that as a real tangible uh, emotion and feeling. I believe there's something there where they are actually sexually attracted to the same sex. I don't, I don't do away with that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, and I, you know, even what, what's Lady Gaga's song, I, baby, I was born this way, you know, 
<laughs> you were. I, I believe you were exactly. you know, in our fallen nature. We're predisposed we to certain yeah. things. Yeah. But this is why Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. again. Mm-hmm. Right. We have a new nature. We now have the Holy Spirit living in us. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's not that all of a sudden, you know, uh, these all these feelings are going to go away right. or, you know, all that. You may struggle with that for the rest of your life. God mm-hmm. may never take mm-hmm. that away from mm-hmm. you. Uh, but what do you do with the temptation when it comes? Do you honor Christ or do you honor your flesh? Right. right. Um, and I think that's where we kind of got to. That's the Christian life. That's what it means to lay down your life and to, to, to follow Christ and to die to yourself. All this language comes to life when we understand what that actually looks like in application. And so. Um, I cannot remember what the uh, we got off track there because you just got all up in my addressing homosexuality episode. Yes, but we were talking about rape. Yeah, yeah, that was good though. Yes, yeah. So again, (laughs) what has God said uh, about this? Well, you know, in the case of rape and incest, is there a victim? Absolutely, there's a victim. Um, Mm -hmm. Is there a perpetrator? Absolutely. There's a perpetrator. Okay. What has God said about this in his law? He says, you don't punish the child for the Mm -hmm. sins of the father. Right. And so the Bible gives clear court cases where a woman is raped. What does that look like in the scriptures? Well, they killed the rapist. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They killed the man who took advantage of the woman. Mm -hmm. And, and a lot of the pro boards say, Oh, well, Matt Brock's a, he's a rape apologist. He, Mm -hmm. he wants rapists to be able to just go scot-free. No, I say, let's, let's kill them. Uh, because Mm -hmm. that's what the old Testament says to do with, uh, Uh, and let's, and let's love that sister. Let's, let's come and let's, let's gather around that young lady. I don't care how young she is. If she's, and I know that's harsh, but I mean, what has God said? Mm -hmm. If there's a 10 year old girl who is raped, let's, let's take care of that trauma. Let's not add to her trauma by saying, okay, not only have you been raped, but now we're going to take that little baby that's growing in your womb. That is a gift from God, by the way. Mm-hmm. Okay. The consequences of which that baby came into being does not negate the fact that it's an image bearer of God. And it is a gift. Children are a gift from the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I don't minimize what she's been through, but we add to the trauma. We add to the problem right. when, now she has to struggle later on in life with saying there was a there was a human that was growing in me mm-hmm. and I didn't even have a say so in it. They, they just thought that this was the best thing for me. And they took my baby. They mm-hmm. and, and there's stories that we have of that. I'm not going to share their names mm-hmm. here, but there's stories that we have where that happened. Mm-hmm. And so, um, again, what has God said? Uh, you don't punish the child for the sins of the father. Is that baby any less of a baby? Is it any less of an image bearer because of the the consequences by which God ordained for that baby to come into the world. Absolutely not. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's good. And, you know, just, just bearing in mind too, how God can work something beautiful out of the most ugliest situations, because again, that life has purpose. God has brought that absolutely life into the, to the earth for a reason. You know, it makes me think about when too, um, I was in high school and 12th grader um, pregnant with my second child you know, knew having unprotected sex was wrong, knew that, um, you know, this could result to me having a baby and I did it anyway, you know, and like most women now, you know, wanted to use abortion as a means of birth control. Right. Well, praise God. I had a mom that was against abortion, you know, but I'm sitting here trying to behind her back, not wanting to tell her I'm pregnant because I knew she was going to make me have this baby trying to have an abortion. But by God's providence and sovereignty, I didn't have an abortion. Praise the Lord. I was able to have my son. But, you know, like most people, I just really did not understand that God knitted and formed this, this baby in my womb. He placed this baby in me, no matter the circumstance, no matter if it was rape, incest, you know, just for pleasure, God allowed this baby to come inside my womb and he knitted, you know? And so amen. this, I did not realize that then that this is a human life. This is the actual living baby. You know, it just was not clicking for me at some point then. And, and until I got saved and we discussed this topic. That's when it, it really hit me because even I was one of the ones, of course, before salvation was, you know, well, no, you will, you, you are to murder the baby. You are to have an abortion, of course, uh, you know, if there's rape or incest, you know, but we as believers or anyone else, we, we have to face the hard truths and do some things that we 
that may be hard for us, but again, it goes back to trusting God, Romans 8, 28, you know, that he works all things out to the good of those who love him and are according to his purpose. And like I said, making something ugly, so beautiful. He could save the rape, the, 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 uh, the, the rapist, you know, it could just Absolutely. be a beautiful story of reconciliation as Christ in the church. We just don't know. And so that's why we have to be walk in the spirit and not be led by our flesh when it's time to um, right. respond to the hard things in life. Amen. Amen. Let's talk about the danger of abortions um, in abortion clinics. Um. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so I'm not well uh, read on all of the, uh, the physical things. I do know mm -hmm. that there are, um, I do know that there are complications that women can have after uh, having an abortion with uh, getting pregnant again. Now that's mm -hmm. not for all women. There's some women that have had, uh, I think I saw one one time where a woman was celebrating her 17th abortion. Uh, yeah. And so, uh, you know, that's not always the case, but I do know that there are some women uh, and I think it's more with the uh, with the pill mm -hmm. than it is the surgical stuff. And I, I, it may have something to do. A lot of people don't know how the pill works, but um, women produce uh, this stuff called progesterone mm -hmm. uh, early on in pregnancy. And that's what the baby actually lives off of. So when you take uh, the abortion pill, you, you get two pills. The first pill actually uh, stops the woman's uh, body from producing progesterone. So essentially the baby starves. And then uh, the second pill is what causes contractions and the baby comes out. Mm. You flush the baby down the toilet and, and that's, that's how it goes. Well, from, from my understanding, uh, a lot of women have trouble getting their progesterone, uh, you know, back up after mm -hmm. that pill, their body takes a hit from it and it, and it doesn't necessarily recover. Um, again, I don't have all the science and all the stuff mm -hmm. to back that up. That's just what that's I've kind of been told. Um, but I do know that the spiritual and the mental, uh, damage that is done from, mm -hmm. um, from abortions mm -hmm. are astronomical. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it was over 70%. Um, again, I should have had this wrote down, but I didn't think about it. Uh, I think it's over 70% of the women that are in the, uh, in the prison system in America, when you ask them uh, where their life began to kind of go downhill, you know, uh, it's either it's, it's one of two things. It was either um, due to some sort of sexual trauma as a, as a child or uh, or an abortion. And you would be shocked at the women who lived great lives, came up under great parents and uh, had an abortion and tried to hide it. You know, they, many of them were Christian girls. Uh, got pregnant and many of them, you know, had the abortion to try to protect their family from shame. Mm -hmm. And uh, they did it in secret. And from there, it just kind of, it, 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 they needed either like a substance to try to cope with what they did. And so they mm -hmm. turned to alcohol, they turned to drugs, they turned to all kinds of things. And this opens the door for prostitution mm -hmm. and it just, it, all kinds of horrors that have come uh, from, from stemming from that, from that abortion decision. And uh, there's many uh, women who will point back to that first abortion where they'll say that right there was where was where it kind of started to go downhill for me. Yeah, I, I've heard a lot of women, you know, say that, you know, as you said, you know, they they live with regret and torment, mm -hmm. bad dreams, you know, they lose hope. Um, and so that's why I'm, I'm so grateful for the gospel because, you know, there's forgiveness and repentance at the cross, Amen. you know? Um, and so if, if there is anyone that has had an abortion that's listening now, um, God forgives you, you come to him Amen. and repent, um, of the abortion or your sins altogether, and you can find forgiveness and hope in him. It won't take away or erase the, the memories, but you will be able to have peace and hope in him and trust in him. And um, the fact that you can spend eternity with him and know that um, a sovereign, merciful, righteous God has forgiven you. Um, Amen. Even, even if you can't forgive yourself or feel like you can't forgive yourself, God has in his His forgiveness supersedes ours or anyone else's. So I hope you be encouraged by that. Um, whoever may be listening may have needed that encouragement. Um, Let's talk about this hot topic. Black Lives Matter, Margaret Singer, the hypocrisy of it all. Um, yeah, let's go there. We oh, and you got a white guy, a, a white, straight, <laughs> heterosexual. Yeah. And, and hey, we're going to do this. OK. All right. So, yeah. Uh, and I will say this uh, to, to any of my black brothers and sisters that may be listening. You need to know that I love you, mm -hmm. um, but I can't give you a pass. Um, I think a lot of the white evangelical Christians have given the black church a pass mm -hmm. on many things because they're scared of the backlash. Mm -hmm. um, 
I'm not, I'm not worried about that <laughs> because here's the deal. You're a brother and you're a sister in Christ before you're an American and before you're a black brother or sister. Right. That just, that is what it is. And so, mm -hmm. uh, I can't just because the culture is putting pressure on white, straight Christian men. Uh, I have an accountability to you as your brother before and before a holy and almighty God to, to, to love you enough to tell you the truth. Amen. And, um, you know, uh, if you want to know what the number one enemy against our black brothers and sisters are, it is abortion in the United States. And, uh, Katrina, I don't know if you would want to kind of go there or if you want me to kind of lay out a little bit or whatever. But, um, yeah, there's a there's a long, uh, very, very uh, demonic history uh, attached to Darwinian evolution. Uh, Margaret Sanger, who you alluded to, the eugenics movement and where we are even today, uh, statistically with uh, our black brothers and sisters in this country. Um, I can't remember what the number is, but I know that there's. Uh, many states, it used to just be New York, but I think it's many states now where there's actually more black babies that are being murdered in the wombs of their mother than are being born. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so uh, you don't have to be a genius mathematician to, to, to be able to figure this out. If, if every black person that is alive is going to die and only 4% of the black population is reproducing, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, then what is the black population going to look like in 20 years right. or 40 years? Or, you know, and here's the crazy thing about it, and I'm not going to do all the math right now, but if you keep, if we keep on the trajectory that we're on, in less than 100 years, there will not be a black population left in this country. Wow. It wow. won't exist. Um, now, we'll have, you know, what we call mixed people. There'll, there'll be some, some of that stuff going on, but, but, but a true... Uh, you know, uh, black brother who, you know, came from that lineage, it's, it's not going to be anymore. Uh, wow. They've either all died off or, you know, they've, they've, they've married off and, and, and there's not going to be a black population left. And, uh, but all the while you see it on football helmets, you see it in coliseums everywhere, black lives matter. Well, that's the most hypocritical thing that could be said if you are chanting black lives matter and also chanting women's choice. Uh, mm -hmm. that they're, 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 they're total polar opposites. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that, again, is because people are illiterate of history. Um, they're certainly not going to tell you this stuff in, in schools. They don't want you to know that, which public education is a whole nother conversation. Um, there's a reason why they hid that from us in our history classes. Mm -hmm. um, they didn't want us to know uh, that, that Margaret Sanger, who was also held as a hero to Hillary Clinton and many other politicians, um, that, uh, that she was uh, indeed in favor of, of exterminating the black race mm -hmm. from, uh, from humanity, along with Jews. Right. So much so that Hitler took notice of what was going on in this country and said, we need to be doing to the Jews in Germany what the Americans are doing to, uh, to the American Negroes. Uh, that's, that's what they were. So if you think the Holocaust was horrific, they took their cues from what we were doing to our black brothers and sisters here. And that is wow. to include the church, by the way. Uh, eugenics was actually being preached from behind Southern Baptist pulpits. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was it was everywhere. It was rampant. And the uh, the idea behind it was uh, fueled by Darwin's, uh, you know, thinking on evolution. He believed that we evolved from apes and he thought that white skin, blue hair, blonde headed or blue eyed, blonde headed, you know, ethnicities had evolved further from the ape than our black brothers and sisters who had darker skin, darker right. hair and Jews are naturally, you know, they have more hair and, and, mm -hmm. and, and darker hair as well. So, mm -hmm. you know, that was, that was their way of thinking is, you know, natural selection. If we, mm -hmm. if we get the gene pool down to this, you know, supreme uh, stock, the superb stock, mm -hmm. and that's the only people that we allow to breed. Well, we're, we're going to advance quicker and faster as, as a, as a, as a species. Wow. And so Margaret Sanger came along and she was a staunch believer of Darwinian evolution. And she said, uh, I mean, she's quoted as saying this stuff and I don't see how people still support, mm -hmm. uh, you know, all their stuff, but, uh, you know, she said black people are human weeds and they need to be eradicated from the human garden. This is what Margaret Sanger said. And, uh, you know, her goal was to try to hinder black people from reproducing. That's what she wanted to do. And so she was really kind of like the uh, the the goddess of, of uh, uh, contraceptives in the early 1900s. But that was why she and she purposely set up her clinics in what she called the dark parts of town, 
uh, to try to hinder these these folks in the name of health care, by the way, mm-hmm. to try to keep them from reproducing. And while they were seeing good results, it wasn't happening quick enough. And so that's when they come up with this term moron. That's where the word was coined. And they use that term to label black people and Jewish people as as uh, idiots. You know, basically, mm-hmm. they said they don't have the mental faculty to be able to think as as well as the white man. And so, you know, they sh- they they they. Um, they get in trouble more. They're, they're more apt to, uh, to crime. And so again, they used all of this stuff to justify involuntarily uh, taking women, black women off the street and, and, and um, performing hysterectomies on them. They would, they would literally uh, say that you're a, you're a danger to society and we're going to bring you in and we're going to, you know, and if, if, if you were a black woman in the early 1900s and you got pregnant, and they could label you as a moron. Well, they would just, they would kill your baby. And so uh, that's the history of it. And they called this project, the Negro project. And uh, there's actually a good book on it. Um, I don't know if that's backwards or not, but uh, that's, not. that's it. It's called the Negro project. And it was uh, written by uh, um, Bruce Fleury. Okay. And uh, he goes into all the history there. And uh, what's interesting about it is as, as time kind of went on and we were kind of getting into the, the, the later first half of the 1900s, uh, you know, praise God that there were certain people that were stepping up and, and saying, you know, this is this is wrong. Black people are people. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they started kind of pushing back. And that's when they decided to change their name from the Negro Project to Planned Parenthood. And so um, that is the history of Planned Parenthood. It used to be called the Negro Project. And that was the history of it. And they've since changed it to Planned Parenthood. Now, a lot of people say, well, Matt, that was a long time ago. That, yeah, we acknowledge that all that's there. Matter of fact, I think it was just last year, Planned Parenthood in New York City um, came out and made a public statement because people had done such a good job at trying to expose it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they actually had to come out and, and actually denounce Margaret Sanger, and they did okay, call her a racist. That. They mm-hmm. affirmed every bit of this stuff. Right. Um, they didn't cancel Planned Parenthood, mm-hmm. but, you know, they kept that going. So, you know, a lot of the pro board said, well, see, they acknowledged it. We need to, you know, everything's fine now. Well, that's where you kind of got to look at the numbers of what's going on today. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned that earlier. The black population is decreasing every every generation. They're going down and they're doing it through abortion. The number one abortion clinic in this country being Planned Parenthood. So I don't care what they're saying with their mouth. Mm-hmm. What are they doing? They're killing black people. They're wiping them off the face of the planet. And in 100 years in this country, they will have succeeded in their mission. Wow. And, and see, and I knew some, some, but I didn't know a great deal of what you just said, especially <coughs> the fact that the, the black population could die off in the next hundred years. Yep. That is just I think, I think, I think the uh, statistic right now, uh, the demographic for our black brothers and sisters, I think is around 11 or 12% of, of the country is, is, is black. And, but if you go back and you look 20 years ago, I think it was like closer to 18 or 20. And so it's, it's stair-stepping down and abortions are on the rise. And uh, the vast majority of them are from our black brothers and sisters. Wow, 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 wow. Oh my now, God. there's a whole other, other side of that conversation where we need black men to start being black men. We need mm-hmm. black men in the home. Now, I don't know if you want to go there or not. Yeah, let's go. But uh, just to, to add so much more weight to this, to tie it back into Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter is actually behind this just as, just as much. Mm-hmm. And if you go actually read their, I call it their doctrinal statement because it is a religion, mm-hmm. um, uh, in there, it does talk about uh, demonizing black men. Mm-hmm. And our government actually incentivizes black mothers. As long as you don't have a black man in the home, the government will cut you a check every month. And so they know that that they know what God's design is. Right. They know that God designed the man to be over the woman and for the for them to, together to be over the children. And so um, that's that's what this is all about. It's it's uh, it's disguised as something else, but the tactic is, is has always been the same. If uh, you know, women are the weaker vessel. It's mm-hmm, not. Mm-hmm. I know that you're not supposed to say that today because of feminism and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> right, but right, right, that's a right. biblical concept. Right. And uh, mm-hmm. and BLN knows that. The government knows that. Margaret Sanger knew that. And that's why feminism has been blown out of the water. Is they want women to think you can do it on your own. You don't need a man in the home. Mm-hmm. But what's the what the fallout has been is nothing short of death and destruction. Um, and, and I don't think anyone has taken more of the blunt of that than our black brothers and sisters. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and just, again, just the, like I said, 
you know, and like you were just discussing just the hypocrisy of it all, because we see, you know, the Black Lives Matter, the uh, on the helmets and everywhere else. But then, you know, I'm saying, you know, you have a choice and just how we're going hard for the Black lives. And a lot of times with this, um, with this false sense of injustice, the people are really guilty. Whereas these babies where they're supposed right. to be protected in their mother's womb and um, nourished are being slaughtered, are being murdered, right. you know? And right. so we're not on the street corners talking about that, you know? So that's right. the hypocrisy of it all. And it's so sad. And like you said, I believe a lot of it is coming from, and I said in the most humble way, ignorance, you know, and yep. not even realizing that what you're saying is very hypocritical and very ignorant. It's, it's, it's not, it's not equaling out, you know? Right. Um, and so we, I, that's what this is all about to bring and shed light and awareness to that and help us to be better critical thinkers and not jump on the bandwagon so much with the flow of the rest of the world, you know, right. because the road to destruction is broad, you know? Um, so a lot of times, if a lot of people are doing it, it's probably not the right thing to do, you know? And so um, <laughs> yeah. we, we want to think critically and biblically. Um, and so, yeah, and, and not be, like I said, led so much um, by our feelings, but what God's word is saying about all of Amen. these issues. So you said something um, about uh, pastors. How can pastors specifically help the pro-abortion um, <laughs> movement and then how can lay people such as myself um, or just members in a church be able to help? Yeah. And again, thank you for asking that question. And uh, again, I'm going to appeal to my black brothers and sisters right now. Uh, I'm just going to be straight up with you. Y'all are completely absent in the fight right now. Completely absent. You go out there on a Saturday morning and uh, go out to the abortion mill. And if there's 30 Christians out there, maybe one or two might be black. And I don't I don't know why that is. And the gospel is the gospel. It don't matter if it's coming out of a white man or a black man. Mm -hmm. But where it does help having our black brothers and sisters standing with us out there is the so the pro-aborts. It's, it's so crazy how they, they've tied all this stuff together. The pro-aborts are out there flying Black Lives Matter flags at a place that's murdering black babies. And here's the deal. Most people, because we live on our cell phones and that's where we get our 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 worldview from, basically, mm -hmm. is from our cell right. phone. Um, they're pushing this agenda that it don't matter what else they're doing in their life. If they will say black lives matter, they're, they're good people. Mm -hmm. And so you've got these pro boards out there flying these black lives matters flag. And, and the average person that's going by sees them flying the, the right flag. And mm -hmm. we're out there telling, preaching at them. Mm -hmm. And so the image that most people have is that we're the bad people. We're mm -hmm. the, mm -hmm. we're the, we're the racist. Mm -hmm. And in reality, they're just hiding behind their, their it's virtue signaling. That's all right, they're doing. Right. Mm -hmm. They know that black babies are being murdered in the building behind him, behind them. And they want that to happen mm -hmm. because they're working for the enemy and he comes to kill, steal and destroy. Mm -hmm. And, and they're, they're working for him. And mm -hmm. so, but, mm -hmm. but just because they're flying a flag and there's no black people out there right. to say, you ain't speaking up for me. Mm -hmm. it, it's just the image. And so, uh, it would certainly help if we could get get our black brothers and sisters on board with with. Uh, and again, this is a justice issue. If you care about mm -hmm. black lives. Right. The gates of hell are are in downtown Greenville and in Columbia and in and in uh, Charleston, mm -hmm. where they're killing more black babies, 5000 babies a year just in our yes. state. And the vast majority of them are our black brothers and sisters. So I, and, and again, this isn't to say that there's not things that are happening in the police department. You know, a lot of people say, oh, were you just saying? No, I'm not. I, I grew up in the South. I know I know the stuff that goes on mm -hmm. and I speak out against that as well. Right. But if we're really if we truly care about black lives and we truly care about our black brothers and sisters, we've got to get out to where they're killing them 15 and 20 a day. That's where we got to hit them, uh, because, again, the numbers every year of our black brothers and sisters are going down. And uh, and again, I think it's a, it's a, it's an education thing. We've we've not mm -hmm. we've not been told that. And um and so, uh, but that's, that's where we need to be. There's been uh, black moms and white moms, but again, I'm pulling to my black brothers and sisters right now who are being trafficked, who are, um, you know, in very abusive relationships. And we've, we've been able to get them out of those relationships. Mm -hmm. And again, we don't plaster that stuff all over Facebook because we, we want to protect her. Right. Um, but there's been many, many uh, black brothers or black sisters that we've, we've got out of horrible situations. Um, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, we raised about $1,400 in about 24 hours to get a, 
a black brother out of prison who I've still got issues why he was there, not with him, but with the county. But uh, we raised money to get him out so that he could be home when his baby comes Amen. comes in. And so and we don't say all that stuff to brag, mm-hmm. but we we do say, you know, we're, we're putting our money where our mouth is. Right. If you're going to say you that black lives matter, get out from behind the keyboard and show me, because right. when all you're doing is this, I don't believe you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's nothing but virtue signaling. And I'm calling I'm talking specifically to pastors and church members who have bought into all this woke stuff. If you're woke get out to an abortion clinic and preach the gospel and stand with us because that's Amen. where babies are being murdered. Amen. And oh, so, uh, so, good. so uh, I would say that would be the short term, you know, goal. Mm-hmm. Come, come join us, reach out to me. My email is uh, lovelifegreenville at gmail.com. Reach out to me or reach out to Katrika. She knows how to get a hold of me and uh, we can get you hooked up quick. We'd love to come and speak at your church. Uh, even on a, on a, it don't have to be prime time. It could be a Thursday night. I'll, I'll take that. But get me in front of your people, <coughs> excuse me, and uh, let us share with you. I'll bring some of these moms in. You can actually hold some of these little babies that are that are products of, of the gospel going out out there. We're not we're not out there on a, you know, to try to be seen. We're out there mm-hmm. to try to advance the kingdom. And um, so I would say that's the short term goal. The long term goal is to see this thing abolished in the name of Jesus completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, God calls it murder. Uh, our legislators and our laws should treat it as murder because there's no higher authority in our land than the authority of King Jesus. Amen. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, he said, all power and authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. So go teach the nations to do what I've commanded you to do. What has he commanded us to do? Well, in Proverbs 24, 11, he said, hold back those who are being innocently led to death. Mm-hmm. That's a command from our risen Savior. And uh, and so when we when we turn a blind eye to it and we say, well, that's that's for the legislators. Well, no, God wasn't talking to the legislators. He was talking to the people who are wearing his name. And so um, uh, we've got to we've got to send the message to our legislators that we don't want heartbeat bills. We don't want, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, pain detectable bills. We want to see this thing ended in the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Nothing Mm -hmm. short, no compromise, no exemptions, no rape, no incest. None of that stuff. And the church is going to have to step up and be the church. We're going to have Mm -hmm. to step up and be a resource for these moms who are in these horrible situations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We've got to get out of our our selfish, you know, my life is all about me mentality. Mm -hmm. And we've Mm -hmm. got to pour into this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's only going to happen if pastors man up and man is in emphasized there, man up and lead your people out onto the battlefield. Amen. Amen, brother. Thank you for that. Yes, Lord. And speaking of the gospel, I want you to share the gospel um, because that's what we do at the end of each episode um, so that if someone does not know Christ um, and have not experienced this love and is not in a relationship, have not repented, um, share it with them and let them know how they can get in contact with us if they have made a decision to follow him. Amen. Uh, yeah, this is the best part, right? This is the, this is the glorious uh, news. So the gospel, the, the, uh, the good news of Jesus Christ, it starts with the bad news. And the bad news is this. Uh, not only are we sinners, but we love our sin. Um, we desire to sin. We want to do everything our way, completely contrary to how God says that these things need to be done. Women want to uh, rule their homes and defy their husbands. Men want to be selfish with their time and not love their wives the way that Christ loves the church. Children want to rebel against their parents. So we have all of these natural things in us. And the reason why is because we were born in sin. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we're born into sin is because our federal heads, Adam and Eve, sin in the garden against God. We took on their sin nature. The Bible says that through one man's sin, Adam, sin entered into all of the world. And so by default, we're born naturally uh, predisposed to sin against the holy God. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gets worse. Uh, there's nothing you can do about fixing your own nature. Mm-hmm. That's that's part two of the bad news. And so uh, for those of you who just heard what I said and you feel hopeless and you feel helpless and you say, well, how can I? Wh- I'm doomed then. What do we do? Mm-hmm. Well, then you're in the perfect spot to hear the good news. <laughs> and the good news is this, the same God that you sinned against, the same God that you hate, the same God that you are an enemy against mm-hmm. uh, from your very first breath has made a way for you to be reconciled with God, the father. And that is through his son, Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way I am the truth and I am the life. And no one can come to the father except through me. And when he said that, 
it was very exclusive. He didn't say I'm a way or a truth or I'm a life. All roads do not lead to heaven. There's one way, one truth, and one life, and his name is Jesus Christ. And the Bible promises us that if we will call on him and we'll trust in his righteousness and his perfection because he lived on this earth for 33 years and never sinned one time. He never had a lustful thought after a woman. He never stole a piece of bubble gum from the market. He never, he never cheated anyone out of a dime. He lived absolutely perfect. And because he was perfect, the religious leaders of the day hated him and despised him because they wanted to work their way to salvation. And Christ mm -hmm. said, that's not how this works. You must be born again. And so uh, what he done was he hung on a tree. They killed him. They crucified him. And the Bible says that as he hung there suspended between heaven and earth, he took on the sins of all of those who would repent and trust and the finished work. Jesus said when he uh, the last thing out of his mouth was to tell us die. It is finished. And with those three words, he said the debt has been paid in full. The propitiation has been placed. Man can be reconciled to the father. He is the bridge that spans the chasm between sinful man and a holy, righteous God. And it's only in that that we can come to the father. And the promise is this, that if we will trust in him, we can know, know that we know that when we die physically, just as Jesus came out of the grave and the grave clothes stayed there, we will come out of the grave and our sin will stay there. Jesus paid for it. The sin is in the grave uh, forever and ever. And we will live in bodily flesh uh, with him reigning and ruling for all of eternity. That's part one of the gospel. Part two of the gospel is this. The curse of Genesis three will be reversed. Uh, Jesus said that all power and authority in heaven and on earth belong to me. And uh, the promise was given that a little bit of leaven uh, placed into the loaf, it will, it will work its way through the whole loaf. It, the kingdom of God is going to start out like a mustard seed, and it's going to grow to be the biggest plant in the whole, the whole garden. So the, the part two of the gospel is as Christians wake up and we take the gospel into the culture, the kingdom of God will grow in the earth, on earth as it is in heaven. But that's only going to happen when we take the gospel to the streets. That's the means by which God has said the kingdom is going to come into the earth is by us preaching the gospel and bringing it into the earth. And so, uh, uh, yeah, we can be made uh, right through, uh, right and reconciled with God, but only through uh, Jesus Christ. And he says that he will take out the heart of stone. He'll put in a heart of flesh and uh, we'll love the things that God loves over time. This process of sanctification we will uh, more and more love the things that God loves. We'll hate the things that God hates. And uh, one day he'll call us home and uh, we will be joined with him and, and, and live with him forever. Amen. Amen. And hearing the gospel never gets old. And, and I should have I should have said just share the gospel for us all, because as believers, <laughs> we need to hear the gospel and be reminded of the gospel every day. Oh, absolutely. The, the gospel is not just for the unbeliever, but it's for us to be to be rehearsed each and every day. Because um, it's hearing it again, just it's just so refreshing. And it's a it's a book that I have. It's called. Um, Lord, I gotta forget what it's called. Um, I think it's, is it preaching the gospel to yourself every day? But it's so good. It, yep. you, you know what I'm talking about? I don't know how I forgot the book, but it's really, really, really good and rich book. I highly recommend it. Who is it by? I don't know, but I know the book you're talking about. But yeah, you know, that is a great point. This the same gospel that justifies it also sustains and and, and mm -hmm. sanctifies it. So mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So it's so awesome. And you said um something about evangelism. And so I look forward to having you on um in a couple of weeks again or discussing evangelism. So we have Amen. um admonished the church on um coming out, sharing the gospel, um, being the hands and feet of Jesus. Um and so now we're going to be able to tell you how to do it. So Amen. we're without excuse because God is equipping us so we can equip y'all. So I That's thank right. you so much, Matt, for coming on. Oh, let them know how they can get in contact with you. Yeah. So you can find me on Facebook. Just look up Matt Brock on, uh, mm -hmm. on Facebook. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm standing behind a podium or something. I don't know. But uh, yeah, Matt Brock, I, I live in Greenville, South Carolina. So you can find me there. Uh, my email is uh, lovelifegreenville at gmail.com. And uh, again, if you can't get a hold of me through one of those two, uh, reach out to Sister Katrika and uh, she's she's got my number and she knows how to get a hold of me from there. All right. Thank you so much. Um, appreciate y'all for joining in. Grace and peace until next time. I love you. Mm -hmm.